Now, here is the top news stories of the day with Larry Hardesty. Well, it's official. The the MLB owners approved proposal for a shortened 2020 season. Jeff Passer was on SportsCenter. It is going to be the plan, or at least the framework of a plan, for baseball to come back. Now, there are all kinds of different elements to this, but the most important one is going to be about the money. Major League Baseball is ready at this point to go to players and say, we will give you a share of the money that is coming into the league this year, which is typical in the NFL and the NBA and the NHL in capped sports. Major League Baseball as an uncapped sport has never had a revenue split, and it's why starting off the conversation and negotiation like this is an interesting tack by Major League Baseball because it could put the Players Association on the defensive saying, wait, 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 this is not how our financial system operates. And not only does it put them on the on the backpedaling and on and put them in, in, in a tough spot, backing them into a corner about their finances, but then what does it say? If they say, well, you know, you can't we, we don't want to play for this money but it doesn't say that we don't want to play because we're, we're, we're concerned that you don't have our our health as a major priority see if it's about the health I think you know we understand if it's about the fact that I don't want to come back because I'm not getting paid that's a different story when you've got how many millions of people out of work right now and trying to get unemployment and small business owners trying to find ways to keep their businesses to uh, businesses afloat. It's a dicey situation for the Players Association here. So obviously the, the owners are like, oh yeah, well, yes, we want to have a season. When they really don't want to have a season because of their money issues. It's going to be interesting. Adrian Wojnarowski was on Get Up this morning. And here's the conversation, which is kind of related with baseball, about the NBA coming back with no fans in the stands, meaning the NBA is going to have to cut back some money for their players as well. Fans, they generate about 40% of the league's revenue and that the players and the owners are going to have to sit down here and the collective bargaining agreement as Silver said on that call it was not built to withstand or endure a pandemic. When the revenue is down, the players' salaries are going to go down and and that's a negotiation, uh, some the collective bargaining that the two sides are going to have to work out here over the next several months because they've got to go through things like how it's going to impact the salary cap and luxury tax, how those things are going to shape those important issues around the league. But he made it clear to the players, you're going to make less money. And remember, the NBA and the Players Union have agreed to extend until September the 60-day window that preserves the league's right to terminate the current CBA. Pushing back the deadline amid the coronavirus pandemic allows the size to gather a clearer picture of the economic losses and bargain on the number of crucial financial issues, including salary cap and luxury threshold. So a lot of stuff going on in the NBA right now. I don't know if they're in a rush to get back. Speaking of the NBA, George Carl who may have cost the Seattle Supersonics a championship, according to Michael Jordan last night, because he didn't speak to him in the restaurant, says, you know what, in his opinion, the NBA just needs to say, see ya. I don't think we need a bomb to go off on our experiment or or a tragedy to go drop in right in front of us. I mean, I, if you could put together a conservative plan that 
has 99% chance of not fail, uh, not giving a, a, dr- a drastic ending. I probably would want to shorten the season, maybe just go to the playoffs, and maybe you know experiment with some scheduling stuff that that you might want to experiment with in the future. I just don't think it's going to be the same. Playing basketball in August when everybody is on vacation and is normally on vacation just doesn't feel good. I, it makes some sense to me that shut it down, have the draft on August 1st, move the season back a month or two to where you think you have a chance of getting fans in the building and, and, and start next season off and, and knowing that you can get a whole season in without a tragedy or, or a, a, a drama that would really be depressing. Great minds think alike. I'm right. I'm right with you, George. That that's what they should do. Season's eighty five percent done. We go come back with playoffs. Have to get the guys ready. It, it, it's a logistic nightmare right now. Don't, don't rush to just put something together when you have the opportunity to just say, "Listen, it was one of those things," and we'll start next season. And hopefully, we'll be in a better situation where we can start from the beginning and get it done correctly. Well, there's conversation in college sports as well. NCAA Mark Emmerich said it's very simple. No students on campus, no sports. In Division One, for sure, all of the, the commissioners and and every president that I've talked to is is in clear agreement. If you don't have students on campus, you don't have you know don't have student athletes on campus. Uh, that doesn't mean it has to be you know up and running in the full normal model, but you've got to treat the health and well-being of the athletes at least as much as the regular students. And and so, uh, if if a school doesn't reopen, then they're not going to be playing sports. I mean, it's really that simple. It's that simple, and that's the way it should be. As a matter of fact, Dr. Anthony Fauci says the 2020 season depends on testing. He told NBCSports.com, the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, and a key member of the White House Coronavirus Task Force says football can be the perfect setup to spread the virus. According to the doctor, diligent testing and how the nation responds to a second wave of the virus in the fall will help determine what the 2020 NFL season could look like. See, that's the other issue of this. There's another wave that could be coming through you know uh, i'm not in a rush i'm just not our ariel hawani on barton han earlier today the big matchup on the ufc's big time ufc 240 pay-per-view in which uh some folks could just got hammered but let's talk about ufc 49 ariel how was it I didn't really miss the fans. In fact, dare I say, it might have been better without the fans. And I can wow. explain why. Number, yeah, because number one, we got to hear the corners talk to the fighters in between rounds. We got to hear them during the fight. You got to hear the punches, feel the punches. And then a funny development happened as the night went on. Multiple fighters said that they heard the commentators talking about them. And in particular, Daniel Cormier, the former heavyweight and light heavyweight champion of the UFC. And, and they were crediting him for changing their game plan because they were hearing his commentating and so that was a funny wrinkle but in the end like I did not notice the fans I didn't hate not having the fans and sometimes I get annoyed when the fans boo unfairly I think and if I didn't have any of that so yeah I think it was a pretty big success for the UFC well I know one thing Ariel fans would have been just like ooh with Gaethje because he walloped Tony Ferguson who suffered the orbital bone fracture in the UFC 240 loss how did he look 
early on in Gaethje's career, the knock on him was he's very exciting, he hits really hard, comes from a wrestling background, but he's turned into a phenomenal striker. But the problem was he was too reckless. He would take two punches to give out three, and he was getting hit a lot. And then finally he gets to the UFC after a solid career outside of the UFC, and he loses two fights in a row. And everyone's like, look, you can't fight like that in the UFC. You, you hit your ceiling. You're going to get knocked out. And so he reinvented himself, and he turned into that fighter that you just spoke of, a calm fighter, a collected fighter, a fighter who's able to be you know, uh, somewhat relaxed in the pocket and understand that he can hit really hard and hurt you, but doesn't have to take you know, a couple shots to give out a few more and not absorb that kind of damage. So you see his face after the fight. People don't look like that after Ferguson fights. When, you, when you're fighting Tony Ferguson, your face is cut up, and he had hardly a mark on his face, and that's an indication that he has finally learned his lesson. So now he's won four in a row, and he's beaten some of the best guys in the division, and it sets up a fight against Khabib Nurmagomedov, who, in my opinion, is the most dominant fighter in the history of the sport, 28-0. And guess what, guys? I actually think Justin has a great, great chance of beating him because of the way he's now fighting. If he fights like he did on Saturday, I think he could be the first guy to beat Khabib. Wow. It's going to be interesting. So, speaking of interesting, Ariel, what's this about Mike Tyson fighting a UFC trainer? I spoke to the guy who was holding those mitts in that now infamous video, the six-second video that was posted a little less than two weeks ago because it was so weird. I watched the video. I saw it when it came out, and I was mesmerized by it. I was like, wow, I can't believe Mike looks like that and is hitting like that at 53. And then three days later, someone reached out to me. He's like, you know who the guy was who was holding the mitts for him? And I said, no, I wasn't even paying attention to him. Mm-hmm. And he told me, that's Rafael Cordero. Rafael Cordero is one of the all-time best MMA coaches ever. And I didn't I was like, what? Why is an MMA coach holding mitts for him? So I called Hafel. I know him very well. He's been around this game a long time. We did an interview about it, and he told me he was blown away about you know how 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 Mike looked, his power, his ferocity. But the most interesting thing that he told me was that video, that lone video that we've seen so far, was on their first day working together. Now, when Mike showed up. He told Rafael that he had not hit mitts in 10 years. That was his first time hitting mitts in 10 years. And he looked like that on day one. Now, he said they've been working together at this point three weeks. And he said, wait until you see how he looks after week three. He looks infinitely better than he did in that video. And then I asked him, you know, what is, like, okay, obviously something's going on here. What exactly are we training for? And he said, oh, I don't want to talk for Mike. Mm. And then a day later, we get this video from Evander Holyfield saying he's back. All I'm saying is it feels like something more than just a 53-year-old man getting into shape is happening here. And I wouldn't be shocked if at some point we get Holyfield Tyson 3 maybe in Dubai or Saudi Arabia for a lot of money, some sort of charity, something. Because it just seems like he was telling me about Mike doing strength and conditioning, doing cardio. It just seems like something's going on here. They wouldn't confirm, but he was also saying, like, yo, you got to talk to Mike. Like, if nothing was happening, he would just say, no, nah, he was yeah. having fun, right? No, no, no. Having been at ringside when Tyson bit Evander Holyfield's ear the, the last time they fought, no, it's okay. I'm good. I don't need to see it again. Happy that Mike's in good shape. Happy that Mike's pounding the mitt. Happy. Happy that he's, you know, doing that. I don't want to see him in the ring. I just don't.